1: Doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast today is Caitlin McGregor, CEO and co-founder of Plum.
0: Some of the statistics say that, you know, it's a 50-50 chance of hiring the right person. A lot of companies don't have 50% turnover, so a lot of the times what happens is that they're putting up with mediocre people. Maybe 20% of their organization are top performers. But if you understand what makes a top performer a top performer, and you can quantify that, you can actually change that ratio so that you can get more people that meet that criteria. It's really understanding that every single person has the potential to be a top performer, just not in every role, That, that each person has a unique set of talents that makes them a top performer. So it's really about how do you Figure out what makes somebody exceptional and then figure out the jobs that will allow them to succeed.
1: This is Caitlin. Caitlin is the CEO and co founder of Plum. After being president and director for two startups, Caitlin founded Plum in order to transform talent processes to prepare business owners like herself for the future of work. Shortly after that, Plum was awarded the 2015 Gold Stevie International Business Award for Best Product or Service of the Year. The company was also selected as one of the top 10 businesses led by women by Springboard Enterprise New York. Plum's mission is to help organizations hire, grow and retain top talent with the power of AI and industrial organizational psychology. By measuring talents such as leadership, innovation, communication and more, Plum hosts the single largest database for quantifying human potential at every stage of the employee life cycle. And this goes from predicting successful hires to informing professional development, strategic workforce planning, and high potential capability. And this inspired me, hence I invited Caitlin to my podcast. We explore the challenges in the talent acquisition and talent management space, and why so many companies are challenged to hire top talent. We also discuss how the changes in the marketplace require a different approach to hiring, reskilling, and redeploying talent, and why assessing where someone went to school or previously worked, are not the thing to look for. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, how looking for scarcity can help you uncover hidden market gems that you can open by democratizing access. Secondly, that to maximize your success as a software business, it's key to align every aspect of it, all the way from product strategy to marketing to sales to service. And thirdly, how new business ideas can simply be born by looking with a fresh eye at what it takes to avoid costly investment decisions. So Caitlin, thank you for making the time on the podcast today. I've been hearing great things about your company and that's what I want to share today on the podcast. So before we start, can you give a little bit of introduction to the audience about who you are, what drives you in day-to-day business and how you started Plum?
0: So my name is Caitlin McGregor. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Plum. We're based in Waterloo, Ontario in Canada. We originally started this business because I had already built two businesses for other people. And in the second business that I was running, we had to go to hire new staff in the U.S. And my executive coach informed me that if I messed up my first hire, it'd be a loss of $300,000 on business. And so not wanting to make a mistake I used psychometric testing at the very beginning of forming this U.S. branch, and I was blown away by how accurate it was at predicting how somebody was going to behave on the job and you know, learned that a lot of the data that we use right now to evaluate talent, like where they went to school and previously worked, is actually not predictive of if somebody can be a top performer in the job. It can tell you if they're eligible, if Mm -hmm. they can do the job, but it won't tell you if they'll excel. And so I started relying on this data and started really understanding and being educated in the field of industrial organizational psychology. And I was blown away that, you know, there's 10,000 industrial organizational psychologists in the world, Mm -hmm. but the only way a company really gets access to them is through consultants and really expensive, customizable, you know, one-off kind of software. And so I really wanted to democratize access to this highly accurate data by turning into software as a service. And so we started in 2012. The first two years really were just trying to take an existing product that we were licensing and trying to bring it to market. And we learned a lot through that process. And then really understood then that the needs were far greater than what we could do in that arrangement. And we needed to build our own product from the ground up. And so we launched as Plum with our new own product that could really scale to meet much larger capacity and needs. So enterprise, large partnerships. So we launched in spring 2015 as Plum. And we've learned a lot of lessons since then and really understood the full potential of what we're, we're offering. And we can get into that later.
1: Pretty interesting. And I, I agree. I mean, that's pretty scary if you start and, and uh, someone is telling you that, you know, the, make, the moment you make a mistake hiring the wrong person, it's there's 300,000 down the line. And I think nobody really realizes that. Are there any statistics around to how big the problem really is? I mean, how many, of, how many people are failing Yeah.
0: Some of the statistics say that, you know, it's a 50, 50 chance of hiring the right person. And, you know, a lot of companies don't have 50% turnover. So a lot of the times what happens is that they're putting up with mediocre people. Most companies, you know, they see that if you look at their performance, that maybe 20% of their organization are top performers. But if you understand what makes a top performer, a top performer, and you can quantify that, you can actually change that ratio so that you can get more people that meet that criteria. But even, I mean, sometimes interesting, when we started off, we we started talking about, you know, that ability to identify top performers, but it's even bigger than that. Especially when we think about just talent as a whole, how do we evaluate talent? It really goes back to the book, Good, you know from good to great where they talk about getting the right people in the right seats yeah. it's really understanding that every single person has the potential to be a top performer just not in every role that, that each person has a unique set of talents that makes them a top performer and if you can find a job that aligns to that then they can succeed. So if you think about somebody who is really good at executing and, you know, they get a sense of self-worth at the end of the day because they completed their to-do list. Well, if you put them in a role where they're networking all the time and they have no ability to sit down and just, you know, get through a to-do list, Mm -hmm. then you're really setting them up for failure. If you've got somebody who, you know, they really like routine and they, they're they good at following a process and you give them a process and they'll just follow it to a T and then you say, okay, now we want you to go out and create, you know, break the process and find innovative ways of doing something from scratch. You know, you're not setting them up for success yeah. versus you take that person who loves to innovate, they'll come up with new ways of doing things and then you ask them to just repeat a process. So it's really about how do you, figure out what makes somebody exceptional and then figure out the jobs that will allow them to succeed. And that really moves beyond that recruitment into things that I think are are even more pressing in this day and age, which are things like, you know, career pathing, personalized career path and personalized professional development and really looking at succession planning, not in silos like a business development representative becomes a sales executive who then becomes a sales leader, even though they have no leadership capability and none of the prior jobs they succeeded in required leadership, but you know, looking at somebody that maybe started in sales and realizing that they're much better in operations or product exactly. and really removing the silos. And in order to remove the silos in an organization, you have to understand the human potential of someone and how you can transfer that potential into other areas in the organization where they can truly succeed. So that's, that's where we've evolved as an organization is to really try to rethink how talent management's done and break down those barriers because we're using new data sets to evaluate talent.
1: Yeah, so you, you don't use the tool only in, in the recruitment phase. So you can use the, the, the concept around the tool on a day-to-day basis. Correct. Yeah. I can see that on your website that you can do the test. I'm gonna do it myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, anybody can go to plum.io click on job seeker and you can take your own Plum Profile and you know we have a 93% completion rate by outside job seekers, internal employees, it's much higher and the reason why it's so high is because as soon as you're done taking this 25 minute untimed assessment, is that you get your own plum profile. So it'll tell you your top three strengths right away. It'll tell you if you're an innovator, or communicator, or you know, good at execution. And it'll even give you development suggestions. So, you know, two strengths that you can work on becoming even stronger. Yep. And then an you know, that you know isn't one of those top threes that you could also benefit from from working on if you if you want. It gives you questions you can ask in an interview to make sure you'd be happy on the job. And so we really want to make sure there's a strong ROI for the individual because they need to gain that insight as well. We really believe that you know, the data should be used to personalize somebody's career journey. And so they need to also get the data to, to support their growth.
1: Interesting. Really interesting. And I mean, I'm also fascinated by your, by your remark that, that people lower the score or actually the failure rate by hiring mediocre people. It's like, that's unbelievable. I mean, that that has a real impact on the business.
0: Yeah. And, you know, even just being able to predict who's not going to work out, you know, does have an impact as well. And so, you know, it really is about a lot of this is not measured in an organization. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we're realizing is that as the needs of the business change and the competency models Our process is a three-step process. The first step is the individual takes the Plum profile. We find out all their their top talents, understand the full spectrum of of their talents. So all soft transferable skills. We're not looking at hard skills at all at this point. And then the second step is that the employer completes an eight-minute survey. And what this eight-minute survey does is it's an automated job analysis. So it's analyzing what the needs of the jobs are based on the input from the people that define which behaviors are most important for somebody to succeed in the job. So we, we have this automated job analysis and it outputs a talent competency model. So it says for this job, you need somebody that's innovative and then good at managing others yeah. and then good at communicating for instance. And so then you look at, let's say a thousand people in your company, who are the people that have the strongest match to that competency? So what happens here is in this process, we can start revealing these paths that weren't available before. So you can have Jennifer that's been mm-hmm. in her job for two and a half years and she's getting bored. Mm-hmm. And now instead of leaving the company, we can reveal other opportunities where she can be utilized in the company that wouldn't yeah. have been obvious before. So part of this is not, you know, this magic crystal ball that you, you press this easy button and it just tells you you know, where you're going to get best performance from everyone. Because sometimes as the company is evolving, the performance evaluations that managers are filling out might already be updated. So uh-huh. really this is about forward-facing, setting that competency model, defining the behavioral competency model, setting the behavioral you know, KPIs that you would need somebody to have right from the beginning, and then learning from that. You know, is this, now that it's quantified, you know the person, you know the expectations of the role, did that actually deliver what you thought? And is the performance evaluation an accurate measurement of that? And then with that data, iterating, being able to constantly evaluate and be dynamic. If you have your sales leaders being, challenger sales methodology today, and then you decide tomorrow you wanna to be more customer focused, so you move to solution selling. Yeah. Well, the needs and how you've been evaluating your past performers won't, won't fit with those new needs. True. So you the data you can't manage what you don't measure and so more than anything this is about providing highly accurate data best practices from industrial organizational psychology but it's automated with technology so that it can really scale so you have this data for everybody in every role in the organization and then you can use this data to make continuous improvements especially as your organization changes.
1: So what you're doing at the end is also because you got a you're not looking at one profile, but you're comparing them with, with millions of profile likely, you can actually predict the path that such a person can best succeed in, correct? Right.
0: And it's by comparing them specifically to the needs of the jobs in that right. unique organization. It's not about, well, all sales jobs are the same. That's kind of an old model that that's been proven not to be the case. True about meeting the unique needs at that time in that organization. And if we think about the future of work, the whole point of the future of work is that, you know, so many jobs are going to be changing. Yeah. That the needs of how we, you know, thought about a specific role over the next five years, most likely is going to change. So do we have a system in place that can change with the the changing needs of the business. And how do we repurpose, you know, if it's about reskilling or redeploying talent in new ways. And so that this gives you the data, to be able to do that. And in the past, that wasn't the need. People just thought, oh, well, I've got this one role. It's going to be the same for the next, you know, five, 10 years. How do I redo the same thing? How, you know, how do I just replicate over and over again? This really isn't about replication. This is about dynamically being able to quantify the expectations evaluate if people are meeting exceeding them and then iterating upon that as you learn and the needs of the organization change or a job gets eliminated and how do you how do you move that person and repurpose them
1: yeah that's extremely important as well which is of course happening all the time as we speak yeah I mean another, another thing that I see happening is indeed moving towards more project-oriented working whereby groups of people are put together for a certain project from different departments and then split up again.
0: Absolutely. And in that case, you know, you have to very quickly, you know, work with the human side of people. How well do they work together? Are you respecting the diversity on the team? One of the things that we've been really fascinated by is that we know that more diverse teams produce better results. And so, you know, by not looking at where somebody previously went to school, by not focusing on any of those factors that tend to bring in unconscious bias, and just focusing on the soft skills, quantifying those talents, we're able to get much more diversity in teams than traditional methods. But What that means is that sometimes what happens is if you get a bunch of people that have the same strengths in the room, and you get one person that sees the world differently and, and has different strengths. What we found in our own organization early on is that what can happen is that the majority, so if you've got a bunch of people that are innovative, let's say a team of five and you've got uh-huh. five people that are incredibly innovative and they get in a room together and they're constantly being innovative. And then you've got one person that's really good at managing others. So they see the system, they see how do we enable people to follow the system. What can happen is that person that's good at managing others can seem like they're the odd one out, like they're they're causing friction. And you can be like, oh, wow, they just don't fit, you know, they yep. just don't fit the culture, or they just, you know, they're constantly causing problems. And that's one way of looking at it. But the other way to look at it is, wait a second, This person is the canary in the coal mine. They can see what the rest of us can't, and we're really smart. Instead of you know constantly dominating and ignoring this odd person out, saying wait they have really something strong and valuable to add, and so we should be stopping and listening. And so it allows from a team dynamic perspective to appreciate what each person is bringing to the table, so that instead of spending time disagreeing and feeling that friction, you can immediately capitalize on the strengths that everyone's bringing. And that only comes by understanding upfront what people are bringing to the table. And again, this is often data that people are relying on their own gut or their own past history of working together. They're, they're not taking the time to quantify it. And that that same assessment that people take to look at, are they a good fit for a job? It's full, like knowing the top three strengths of the people, that free profile that you get, yeah. even if you had five colleagues take it and bring their top three talents into a meeting together, you know, and that's all free. You can do that yourself off a website. You know, that's incredibly valuable information that just really shortens the learning curve of working together, which allows those dynamic teams to come together, be very efficient, respectful, leverage each other's strengths, and then go off and, and put together groups more rapidly.
1: Interesting. On your website, I mean, because this is sort of a new category that you're creating. And one of the things you try to well, you tried to, you, you actually articulated the value or the, or the impact. It says four times more accurate than, than a resume at predicting on-the-job success. So, so where does the four come from? And, yeah. And what, so, does, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, so we've done the validation studies. We have a technical manual where we've gone in and done proper validation studies using industrial organizational psychologists to evaluate the data. And so what happens is that, you know, some of the, Looking at one organization, for instance, without using Plum, they had a 15% chance of hiring the top performer each time. And then with using Plum, if they hired somebody with a 95 match score or higher, they had a 65% chance of hiring a top performer each time. And so that gives us a correlation of a 0.41, for example. If you look at a resume, you know, if you look at education and work experience, it's combines to be about a 0.11 at most. And so that's where you're getting your, your four times greater at predicting yeah. on the on performance. Yeah. But we really, the, the being rigorous with our science and, and accurate is one of the most important things that we bring as a business. There are a lot of companies that are trying to offer five minute assessments that are really easy to take, but they're not accurate. With us, the accuracy is the most important. And we've gone head to head with some of the largest competitors in the industry and beat them out specifically because the ability of our science was stronger. And so that's been really great. Yeah. We've seen a lot more in the last year and a half that when we get into third party reviews, we're beating up the competition. When we're going head to head on proof of concepts, we're beating up the competition. So and it comes down to that strength in, in our science and, and the scalability of our data.
1: Impressive. So that, that, that's always one of the things that intrigues me, building something remarkable. So from the work that you've been doing since 2012, and later on when, when you sort of pivoted on a different on a different product and on, under the new name, what has been the single thing or maybe the two or three things that, that you say, this is what makes a difference here?
0: I would say the first part was, you know, our best customers are ones that have large talent pools because it's really about how do they, as their organization changes, how do they move that talent? And then as they move people, how do they bring in new talent? So it's really the full life cycle and, and the larger the organization, the larger the problem. But when we first started out, you know, a large organization wouldn't work with a small startup who didn't have previous success. So we had to earn the right to work with our target audience, which are mid-sized enterprise businesses and so you know that's just a matter of it it takes time to show the validity of the science and show those use cases and it feels wonderful to finally be there now what's been interesting is once we started working more and more with enterprise the biggest thing they said to us because we were we were just recruiting at the beginning they said well can we use this data on our internal people and we already had a very large enterprise company in the insurance space that they didn't make a difference between internal hires or external hires. So they were already using us internally. They didn't make a difference. But most of the industry makes a difference between talent acquisition, and talent management. So, you know, we said, yes, actually, you know, our software is built so that you could use this internally as well. And that made us go, wait a second, there's a much bigger opportunity here. And all of the stuff, this data that we provide can then help with professional development and and other succession planning, high potential. So we now have a high potential early career identification, so high potential program. So identification. So a lot of that stuff, it was just about taking our core product and realizing that we could repurpose it and expand it to meet a much bigger need. And in in the landscape, there's actually a lot of noise when it comes to recruiting. People don't always understand the difference between video interviewing or employer brand and sourcing, and it gets to be really noisy. And Mm -hmm. in the talent management market, you know, there's a lot of consultants, and then there's a lot of big platforms like SAP SuccessFactors, and SAP SuccessFactors actually reached out to us. And this summer, they, they made a small strategic investment in us. We work with clients that are Workday clients, SuccessFactors clients, all, all different people soft, but they came in and put a small strategic investment in us. And what that's done is that they validated that while they provide that really big platform, they're still missing this data and they want to provide this data to their customers. One of their big strategies for 2019 is to provide an open ecosystem where they've handpicked certain companies that have innovative solutions to integrate into the products. So we now integrate with SAP success factors. So all of this kind of, you know, this evolved, the more we talk to our customers and the more we talk to the right customers, the more we saw that there was this massive underserved market in talent management and that there wasn't noise there. There was just an opportunity to come in and really provide that scalable data that the consultants, you know, don't have. And so that was really critical. And then the second critical part was, you know, when we first started out, we were four people, grew to go to six and then to eight. And the thing is when you're really small, you don't have the capacity to really meet, you know, such a wider swath of demands. And it's because of the strength of our team. We have two research labs, one in industrial organizational psychology, one in AI plus a full-time staff with really seasoned, experienced directors in each department, You know, the size of our staff and, and the maturity of our staff has allowed us to really grow and be able to handle the needs of enterprise. And so both of those took time. And I think in the startup world, you know, everyone talks about the overnight success, but because this is such a difficult problem to solve and so much science involved in it, it's taken us time and, and that was needed and it was a good thing. And so that's been a big, a big lesson.
1: As a CEO of the company what was the toughest decision that to, that you had to make in order to uh, to get where you are today
0: We've had to say goodbye to some people early on that started out I mean rebuilding you know creating our own product from scratch instead of licensing was was a really big you know move that we had to make on early on you know making sure that as our needs as an organization and needing higher levels of expertise to come in meant that some people yeah. that you know helped us get get off the ground, couldn't get us the rest of the way. And so those are really, it's really tough, you know, to choose the needs of the business beyond personal friendships sometimes, you know, and and that's normal. I think a lot of companies that have gone past the five-year mark, that's a normal part of maturing, but it's personally difficult to have the courage to make those tough decisions. And it's definitely made me appreciate, you know, that, You've got to ensure as you grow that you constantly have the alignment of the organization and that alignment takes work and takes effort, you know, that having good people practices from day one, and we had to figure some of that out. And now I can say, you know, the strength, the bar is set so high in terms of the people we have working here now, and the alignment is so strong that now that we've really found that You know, I I feel like a mama bear and that I I want to make sure I keep that, you know, we, we, that when we're four times the size that we've, now that we have this prioritization on supporting our people and keeping our people aligned and the collaboration that we have between departments and even a level of, there's a social contract that I didn't know exists where, you know, the reason why sometimes you have friction between sales and marketing is because they're so dependent on each other to succeed. And so it can turn into finger pointing or it can turn into this amazing collaboration where there's a social contract where they get to a point where they've got the buy-in of each other and they've got the alignment where they're so much stronger together. And, But it takes work to get that, you know, I can deliver this and I can up my game if I can get your support with doing this. And I believe that you're going to deliver that so I can make this commitment. And together, you know, same thing with product and software. Every year we do our strategic planning, it's a commitment that we can go even farther together. And that ability to that requires a social contract. And so we've we've figured that out and it's amazing. And it's, you know, we definitely use our own tool to help us through that process and understand our people but it's something now that you know as we scale I don't want to lose sight of how important it is to have that that alignment and that supportive
1: culture that's an interesting one I mean that alignment and the result you get from alignment I mean I call it leverage you know it, normally you have mm-hmm. those silos and if they're working in silos you know you can do you can grow but you can grow so much but the moment you start to align them yeah so create a vision your value proposition right and then kind of align your product strategy with the vision and, the, and, and everything that is, that's about yeah, what you try to change in the marketplace, then it becomes like a snowball almost.
0: And Where I think, you know, I, I don't know if every startup goes through this in their earlier days, which were now past, but, you know, we, when you're only a, you know, a dozen people, you don't really have silos. You're too small no, for silos. But then you try to bring in discipline and structure. So we, you know, hire domain, you know, people that really understand their marketing and really understand sales and really understand product, really understand software. And they have to go off and create their own teams. And so for a whole year, the goal was go and create teams that you can really own. But then we created silos. And so we had to spend, you know, a whole year figuring out, okay, now that we have efficiency in teams, how do we have efficiency you know, in collaboration and, you know, cross-functional roles and, you know, as a whole company being aligned and yeah. it was a journey and I'm, and we, you know, it was a great lesson to learn. And we now, we now have that. And I'm just so incredibly proud of this team. And I've never been as excited as I am in 2019 because we have this incredible partnership with SAP we have this incredible partnership with the largest university in the world that does co-op programs so it's required as part of their education that they go and work with companies mm. for for at least eight, you know sometimes it's two rotations of 8 months and so we're working with set, you know have the potential to work with 7000 of North America's best employers because they're hiring these co-op students so we have some great partnerships but it's it's the team that I know can deliver and really capitalize in, on these opportunities that makes me so excited about where we are as a company right now.
1: Perfect. Well, I can see the excitement here. So if you, look at it, if you look at it from a customer perspective, what are you most proud of achieving with one of your customers?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. I'd say we're really excited. So SAP, we're just launching this month, a six-figure internal pilot with SAP, specifically around career pathing and personalized development and high potential program, kind of the whole suite, as well as succession planning. So we, we're working with software developers that are early in the career and looking at where outside of the normal silos that they start in, where they can move in the organization. It's a really, really low number in terms of how many people move out of their silo. And so we're looking at really increasing that mobility in their organization, and then looking at same thing for succession planning. It often normally comes from the silo that they're hiring from, and looking can we change where the succession planning is pulling people from other areas? And so, really excited about working with SAP internally to launch these pilots yeah. in the first part of this year. So that's really exciting for us.
1: That's a large employee base, about ninety thousand people.
0: Yeah, I think they're they're past ninety five thousand. I think at this point, it's really exciting. And the you know what's been great working even just with their CHRO talking about how you know they are committed to piloting the products themselves so that they yep. can then speak firsthand to their customers yep. about the experience. They want to they want to test drive it for their customers. And they have a good history now of doing this where, you know, they came in and started piloting how they do performance evaluations, and then it ended up going company wide. And so we're, we're hopeful that, that that's the path that we're on with them. But we're definitely working with a lot of their sales reps and working, you know, with with a lot of their customers now to set up other pilots. So there's some really exciting ones in the works for, for this year the other one that we're really excited about is that we've been working with intact insurance which is one of canada's largest insurance providers for the last two years we beat out aon hewitt two years ago to get a multi-year nationwide contract they brought in a third party reviewer and it came back that we had stronger science better user experience and better scalability and specificity so it's been amazing to work with them. We're at over 70% adoption through the entire organization. Any level that they're hiring, either internally or externally, uh, Plum is used across the board. And just the ability to quantify data around and, and reveal things that, that never would have been possible without Plum's data is really exciting. And and I think now that they have this much adoption, this much data, there's a really big opportunity to then you know, make some new decisions based on this data. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next because it takes courage to, you know, be able to constantly evolve an organization as new, new data comes to light. And so I'm excited to, to, for that journey with Intact.
1: Are you following up, by the way, with customers, like what this does to their organization? Because the moment you can start to position people in the role that is, that is ideal for them, you're likely going to see, well, performance improvements that are beyond the the normal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So our customers say that they would rehire 93% of their plum recommended candidates again. So that's a huge testament that that it's working. We've had other instances where turnover has been reduced across the organization by 30%. We've seen as high as 46% in one specific department. And one of the things that really is amazing so that eight-minute survey that the employer takes, it's really the the managers, sometimes a couple of their top performers, basically whoever understands the behavioral KPIs that somebody needs to deliver in a role to be successful. When they take that, we, we recommend three to eight people just to see if there's alignment. So whoever is kind of selecting the new person to come into the role, there's often a bunch of people's decisions that create that. And so by, by each person taking this eight-minute survey, what we're able to do is reveal are the expectations even aligned? Is the type of person that you're thinking about the same person compared to you know, this manager's opinion versus that person that's supporting them in HR versus somebody that's already doing the role really well? And so by revealing this data, we've been able to point out with one of our organization that they were so misaligned, they didn't even have expectations, that by allowing them to get aligned because we revealed this data to them, Then what was able to happen is they were able to reduce the number of interviews they had to do by 88% because they all knew what they were looking for. And when they had somebody come in with a 90% match, they all had the confidence that the person was able to meet what they were looking for. So they didn't have to go through as many rounds of interviews or interview as many people.
1: Wow. Pretty amazing. So, well, do you see also that it that it then starts to translate into into maybe, oh, for example, also, you already mentioned that the lower turnover, which likely is a signal as well as higher engagement. But does, do these companies grow faster and become more competitive?
0: That's a very good question. I think one of the things that we're revealing with this is that there's a lot of metrics that companies... You know there's a lot of different factors for instance with growth that come down to sales for instance and things like that and the the loop between understanding your people and understanding the roles and then properly measuring it that loop is sometimes fragmented still it's one of the things we're working on changing is is closing that loop so that the same criteria of how you're evaluating people coming in is the same criteria of how you're evaluating them every year there isn't that disconnect between competency models but i think it's one of the areas where companies have been struggling to quantify the right things. And so getting that feedback and getting that data is, is, an area that we're still working on. We know without a doubt that this data allows them to make the analysis, like evaluate and analyze things that they couldn't in the past and therefore give the ability to change it and improve it and optimize it over time. But that full feedback loop and, and getting that data back from customers it's still an area that, that we're working on on getting more metrics over time, and we'll, we'll get there.
1: Sometimes it's just gut feel that that is enough, and maybe you should have a look at a couple of the, the annual reports of your customers to see if what, what has happened since they started to work with it. Maybe it, it, reveals, it reveals it by there. Absolutely, <laughs> because that's normally like what happens then. If people are really really, if if they got the perfect match for what they're what they're good at, they start to flourish. They start to Absolutely. thrive. Absolutely. Well, thank you. What would you advise from all the things that you've learned so far? What you, would you advise CHROs or CEOs to do different in terms of yeah, how they approach talent?
0: I think that a lot of the processes that were put in place were limited based on what data was available. Yeah. So, for instance, I think a lot of organizations understand that best practices are to have a competency model in place but the reason why people hate competency models is because they get outdated so quickly mm-hmm. and there's no easy cost-effective scalable way to do it for every role so they put a bunch of roles under a single competency under a single competency and then they lose the nuance of the specificity of individual roles yeah. so there's a lot of reasons why people know competency models are the best method but why they don't get used properly and uh-huh. so when people are envisioning how to evaluate how to transition their staff when they're thinking about the future of work they need to think about well are there new possibilities that didn't exist before are there different ways of evaluating if we all know that you know the human quality of people is going to be the part that's not going to be automated and it's the most critical part moving forward then you know if we know those soft transferable skills are the future then starting with let's quantify them and let's quantify the needs of the role i think just we have to look at There's an opportunity to do things differently because the technology, the data allows us to finally do things the way that, again, it's like an industrial organizational psychologist. If you you could hire one and and they could magically automate and scale themselves, what would they look like? That opens up brand new possibilities that organizations couldn't do before. And that's what we're, we're trying to allow organizations to do.
1: I think that requires a lot of education, which is the case for a lot of the technology that's out there these days. Typically, the people that are on my podcast have the same problem. You know, you're selling something that people have never been, well, could never dream about being possible before.
0: In some ways, I mean, yes, people don't even know that it's possible, but it's so intuitive. I mean, if you're like, yes, we want to have an organization with more innovative people, and we want to start not just saying we want innovative people, but we're going to Create jobs for innovation is what's most critical for success. And we're going to evaluate people based on the innovation rather than continuing to reward people based on the old behaviors, but expecting new ones to exist. I mean, it's intuitive that yes, we want innovative people. Well let's measure who's innovative in our organization. Let's measure who's innovative in our applicant pool. Let's define that in the company's job description to begin with. So in the competency model to begin with. So yes, it requires education to let people know that it exists, but it's the most intuitive part. We're just automating and putting data around it.
1: That's true. Fascinating. So, what is next for you? Where do you want to take? What is your biggest aspiration for 2019?
0: Really, having more customer case studies around the different use cases and those ROIs to give more people confidence that this is uh, available. I mean, we can do it all. It's just about building that additional collateral and building up those additional case studies and testimonials from our customers. So we're always looking for, you know, more innovative companies that are looking to adopt these practices. So yeah. for us I think that the foundation is so strong now, it's really about growing our user base and growing those user stories. And so that's a big focus for us in
1: 2019. Cool. So if there's anybody in the audience, uh, the listeners to the podcast could help you, what would you ask? How can I help you?
0: Well, first thing is they can reach out to me. It's Caitlin at Plum.io, C-A-I-T-L-I-N at Plum, P-L-U-M.io, or info at Plum.io, and you know we'd love to be able to give them a demo of what we do. And so, just getting educated and seeing if this is something that interests them would be a huge help. And telling others, I mean. In this space you know this is really a strategic priority at a lot of organizations and yeah. so this is far beyond hr this is about the most important part of an organization are its people and so you know it helps us the more that people understand spread the word and do that upfront education that there are better ways and and more up-to-date ways of understanding people's talents and so spreading yeah. the word and and becoming more educated by taking a demo of plum would be a fantastic start
1: Okay. Let's share that. Well, thank you very much, Caitlin, for this inspiring explanation of what your company does and how you're making a difference in the HR space. Because I do do definitely believe that that's the case.
0: Thank you so much for
1: having me today. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. was really on my side. And for everybody listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Caitlin McGregor, co-founder and CEO of Plum. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this. To create a broader awareness of what can be. To accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations. And lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in, and you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming
0: up.